Father, we just give you praise and glory. We thank you for the service that we've had already, the time of worship, giving you honor and glory in all that we do. And Son, now, Lord, take this time that we have before you, and I just honor you with it, that by your wonderful presence, the Holy Ghost here, we'll see wonderful signs and wonders, people's needs being met. And Lord, I ask you right now, even as simple as it may be, the things that we teach tonight, change the way that we think. Help us to see like you see, because it's not supposed to be as difficult as we've made it to walk in the supernatural, to live in the grace of God, to, to manifest the abundance of God until the world looks at us so strangely to see that we are possessors of the very goodness of God in every area of our life. Oh, Lord, what a testimony it shall be in this last day. While sin increases, grace shall abound in great measures in the lives of your people. Now let it be even that much so and more in everything we do and say here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, look over here, if you will, in Luke chapter 2, and I don't need to be, need, uh, mean to be stealing anybody's fire if Pastor Mark was planning on reading this verse or something coming up here at the Christmas time, but I want to read verse 8 through verse 14 and just highlight something particular, even though it is a Christmas passage of Scripture. It's okay if it gets read a few, few times this week because thank God for the good news. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with fear. For the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto you that is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, thank God for the suddenness, amen? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward all men. Uh, this uh, ESV translation says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Or peace among those of goodwill. Anyway, you say it, I just want to capitalize on this whole subject and what was happening here. And you could talk on one particular part, or you could talk on the whole thing as a general passage. And I just want to highlight the word peace and then describe what was going on here. This is a really great verse of Scripture. And because for the first time uh, since Adam and Eve were created, there was a baby born that could actually bring peace. Amen. Amen. There had never been a baby born. That could bring peace. There had never been a human being born that had the ability to bring any peace. Man was born into sin. Now God created Adam and Eve, but every human being that was born was born uh, according to their likeness in sin. Amen. So see, there's a whole lot more going on here than just Jesus has come to be the king of the earth. And uh, that's exactly what the Pharisees actually were thinking and what the people were thinking. They wanted him to set up an earthly kingdom. In fact, they tried to make him king. Amen? But Jesus couldn't set up an earthly kingdom until he first set up a heavenly kingdom on the earth. Everything always starts in the spirit before it gets to the flesh. Don't you love how Jesus was, when he went to hell, he was justified in spirit, which helps to prove that Jesus actually became sin for us with our sin. I mean, you can't be justified in spirit if you haven't been yet sinful. Amen. It's like saying that you, that you can have uh, a fill up a glass of water, but it's already full. If a glass of water is full and you put more water into it, then it's going to overflow, but you can't fill it up because it's already full. Yeah. You can't get someone justified in spirit if they're not sinful. 
I don't need, I don't need to be justified in spirit. Say, why? Because I've been justified in spirit. And once your spirit is justified, declared righteous, it is righteous. Amen. Amen. End of the story. Praise the Lord. But Jesus was justified in spirit because he became sin for us, hung upon the cross and took the sin of the world. We'll get to that in just a second. But he was justified in spirit first before he could go pick up his body. Interestingly enough, the power that justified him in the spirit actually touched, changed, and manifested the glory of God in his body. Because that body was in, it was in a mummified tomb, and there was just a little space there that they had not yet taken the cloth and mummified completely that they would have done later. And Jesus, when he was justified in spirit, came out of the grave, went back into his body. He went back into a body that was completely mutilated, that was whipped and torn and beaten and bruised. And we know that I don't think the words can really explain, except Isaiah says that he was not necessarily even recognizable as a human being. Amen? He went into that body and came out that little hole completely so pure that he did not have one scratch left on his body. I mean, like baby skin. In so much that when Mary came to the uh, tomb, she actually thought he was the gardener because the last time she had seen Jesus, he was completely shredded by the whipping post of the Roman soldiers. In other words, how interesting it is that when human, when spiritual life came into a human body that was beaten, bruised, it instantly turned that body into perfection. Praise the Lord. That's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that will also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. I, I've seen this many times, individuals that were sick and diseased, and the moment that they got saved, eternal life went into their spirit and it touched their physical body. And if you'll get people to expect that the same life that goes into your spirit will also go into your body at the same time, you don't have to pray for healing. You can get them healed by just praying for salvation because salvation includes the healing, the deliverance, and the soundness and preservation of man. Amen. Amen. It's kind of like this. I've never yet have smelled a, uh, a Reese's peanut butter wrapper that smelled like an almond joy. <laughs> That's because it has a Reese's peanut butter cup in it. And the peanut butter cup affects the wrapper. Amen. Amen. And when you get yourself a new peanut butter cup, when Jesus comes to live on the inside, he touches the outside. It just has to change the outside. Amen. The fragrance gets on you. Praise the Lord. The residue gets on you. Amen. The healing begins to flow through your life. It begins to go through your blood into your corpuscles and molecules. Praise the Lord. And it gets in every single organ of your body. Amen. That, that's a whole lot better than maybe the two amens we got. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That, that's called divine life, folks. That's where if we'll learn to live out of that anointing that's on the inside, we don't ever have to be sick again. You don't even have to come up for a healing line because you're not sick. Wouldn't that just be wonderful? To live in a body that never gets sick so we don't know what sickness is like. If you've had sickness before and you've had it real bad and now you're feeling better, better is so much better. But what about if you never got worse? If you only got better. Oh, God has so much for us, doesn't he? Come on, on the earth, there was no baby ever born that could bring peace among men. No, Jesus wasn't going to set up an earthly kingdom first. That's coming. And that's not very far away. Amen. We have a short period of time before Jesus comes again to take his bride with him. Then there'll be a seven-year period of time of wrath upon the earth called the tribulation period. After that tribulation period, there'll be what's called a war called the Battle of Armageddon. 
And after that war, there will be a millennial reign of Christ where Jesus comes with us, his saints, to rule and reign on this earth. Hallelujah. And the devil and his angels are locked up in a bottomless pit for a thousand years. Amen. There'll be an awesome and wonderful time. And at the end of all things, and there's a few events that take place to get to the end of all things, God's going to actually refurbish this planet and move the new Jerusalem down to the earth. Does it tell you how much he likes the earth? You know why? Because we are the most special creation that God ever made. He made us so much in his image and his likeness, he plans on hanging out with us for eternity. Amen. Amen. And he made this planet for us. He can't wait to come down here and live on this planet with us. Amen. It doesn't mean there won't be a heaven and an earth. It just means this will be a special place where forever, glory to God, we will live and reign and rule with our Lord. Amen. And serve and magnify him as our God and as our Savior. Hallelujah. So the progression of things is important for you to see. Likewise with Jesus, he was so special. This is where I get my imagination going. And I hear the one angel out there beginning to proclaim that a Savior has been born. And suddenly there's this whole mob of angels. A multitude. Singing and praising and worshiping God. In other words, to me it's almost as though they were listening to the one advertisement and announcement and just couldn't hold it back anymore, just had to spill the whole beans and began to glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace! Because they knew the gospel. They knew where it was leading to. And finally, they just had an opportunity they'd been waiting on for 4,000 years. They were able to say it. God is going to be at peace with man. Oh, wow. Praise the Lord. God is going to be at peace with man. Turn over to 1 Corinthians and 15, and we'll understand here by verse 21 what we're talking about, why it's so important that Jesus came in his perfection that he did. No other man could set man free. This is what really separates us from all other religions. All the other religions of the world deal with the outward performance of man, with his behavioral, trying to straighten out the way that he lives. And you know, we always applaud behavior. Good behavior is way better than bad behavior. Amen, parents? Praise the Lord. But all the good behavior in the world will never save you. Amen. You could be the best person in the whole world and still go to a devil's hell because the need in your life is not the outside behavior. That'll take care of itself when you get the inside changed. It's the heart of man or the spirit of man that is corrupted by sin that just comes through the whole line and lineage of being born into this earth. That's the law of Genesis. Everything will reproduce after its own kind. Adam and Eve became sinners by disobedience. Their heart was filled with sin. They no longer had fellowship with God. And now Jesus comes as the only human being born into the earth that can bring that fellowship. This is the reason why the angels are so happy. They're singing peace, peace, peace. Because God has not been able to be at peace for 4,000 years. Man's heart has been separated from him. And now, glory to God, through this wonderful baby that is born in Bethlehem. That's why we're so excited. It was God's gift to us to set man free so that man could come back into fellowship and relationship with God. And just as much as it is for us to come into fellowship with him, can you imagine how excited he was to be able to wrap his arms around his children one more time? Well, what a message the angels brought us. There's a whole lot more to it than we know. But look here, if you will, in verse 21, it says, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Amen. Can you begin to see it here? 
It's real simple. One man got us into trouble. Another one man got us out. Amen. It was one man's action that brought sin into the world and corrupted the human heart, but it was another man's action that brought a release from sin and made it possible for every single human being to walk in fellowship with God. Come on, this is what Jesus began to talk about in John 14. Let's turn there. John chapter 14. Jesus said in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Therefore what? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Come on folks, if you could bottle this up right here. Verse 27. If you could bottle up verse 27, you'd be a gazillionaire. Come on, this is the one thing the world doesn't have anymore. I mean, what's going on in the world right now? And Jesus prophesied, he said, there'll be a day where men's hearts will fail them with what? Fear. And fear is rampant in the earth right now. Fear in every area. Fear physically. Fear medically. Fear uh, when it comes to the economy. Fear when it comes to our safety. Come on, in every single arena, men's hearts are beginning to fail them with fear. There's more stress on the earth right now. There's more troubled hearts on the earth right now than ever has been in the face of the earth. The troublesome times are creating great stress. And it is the peace of God that Jesus said, I'm going to give to you, not as the world gives it to you, do I give to you. Therefore, let not your heart be troubled. Folks, you realize we can walk just like Jesus did through a storm that was so absolutely horrible that the disciples thought the boats were getting ready to turn over and Jesus made one comment to it. He said, peace, be still. And that storm listened to him and immediately became silent. My goodness, the disciples went to the back of the boat and conferred among themselves saying, what manner of man is this? Well, the same kind of manner of man Jesus is is exactly who he's made us in his image and likeness. We are just like the resurrected and glorified Christ, united together with him so much so that our words as well can bring the peace of God to the storms of your life. Jesus didn't give us peace like the world has it. Jesus gave us peace like God has it. Oh, glory, hallelujah, thank God for our peace. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank God for our peace. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look over at uh, Romans in chapter 5. We'll look in verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified, there's that word again, but notice now it's in our reference, not just Jesus being justified in spirit. It says we have been justified by faith. What does it say next? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the peace Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about the worldly peace. He's talking about a peace that comes on the very inside of your heart. Amen. And what does that do? That gives us peace with God. Well, folks, really, if we don't know it, this is really where man's been struggling right here. We've been struggling in our thought processes to believe that we actually have peace with God. You say, I, I, I don't really feel like I've been struggling. Well, let me share it to you in another way. The reason why I know that most believers struggle with believing that they have peace with God is because of the way they live. They live on the basis of performance, trying to do something to get favor with God when you've already got it. 
Folks, if we've got peace with God, that means you can go right into daddy's, daddy's home, amen, go right into his room, praise the Lord, without any fear, without any guilt, without any condemnation. You don't have to feel bad about anything you've done because you've got peace with God. Come on, when you come home and on the test you got a hundred, it's real easy to go in there knowing that you're going to get a real, that's great, honey, you did a really good job because there's no problems for them to criticize. Come on, for 4,000 years we have learned so well and the world has picked up on what we've learned so well that man is conditioned to live out of performance. Whether we like it or whether we don't, this is the peace that God was coming to give us. Absolute 100% peace with God where you don't have to perform at all. Your livelihood and your peace is based on what Jesus did, not you. 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. I want to show you this right now so we can explain this verse right here. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Tell you what, when Jesus came to live on the inside of your heart, that moment he brought peace. Amen. And he changed the course of time. What man had been used to now, everything changed. And this is the message that Paul had to preach. He had to preach a message of change. Amen. Why? Because no one knew anything but the old system. I love what Brother Hagin did years ago when he was lying on that bed of illness and he, did, he realized he didn't have a whole lot of strength. He picked up a Bible and he never really read that Bible before. And he looked into the Bible and he saw in the table context there was an Old Testament and there was a New Testament. And he thought to himself, I don't know how much time I have, so I'll just start in the, the New. Amen. Thank God he started in the New. Amen. Might not have got his healing over there in Leviticus. Praise the Lord. Although there was a time in healing school, I'd like to take anything that I could just to, just, just to experiment with the fact that this word is anointed. And one time I just sat down and read someone all the names, butchered 95% of the names, and got them healed anyhow. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So Leviticus will heal you. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just want to see you could do it. Amen. And it worked. So over here in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, and verse 17. Look at, I got a new version of the Bible here, so it's dangerous to preach out of it for the first time. <coughs> it says, Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Uh, do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? Well, I need to explain this because there's a whole lot more to what he just got through saying. Of course, other translations say it a little differently. That's why I had to sit there and read it first um, because my new King James says it a little bit differently. But when Paul talks about was I planning according to the flesh, that doesn't mean sinful flesh. Not in the sense that we would think. Some fleshly sin. What Paul's talking about there when I did I plan according to the flesh, he's saying that I plan according to my own performance. You'll find the majority of the time when Paul uses the word flesh, he does not necessarily mean some sinful fleshly sin. Now, there are times when he does. But the majority of the time that Paul uses the word flesh, like when he said, walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. For the flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit wars against the flesh. Remember when he talked about that in Galatians chapter 6? Paul's not talking about, you know, carnality like we think. Paul's talking about don't live according to your own performance. Don't live out of what? Out of self-righteousness. Walk and live out of what? Faith righteousness. In other words, live based on what Jesus has done for you, not what you can do for Jesus. Amen. 
And the reason why this is important is because of what he included right here when he said the yes, yes, and the no, no. You say, well, what is yes, yes, and no, no? All right, well, just a moment here. We'll go over to Deuteronomy and chapter 28. Come on, I want you to see this so you can see there's a new covenant. The new covenant is a better covenant, better promises, a greater surety. Amen? It ought to get us better results. Not only clean the heart up of man, but also help him to live that way. That's really what we're talking about in the next couple sessions that we have with you tonight and then tomorrow. Amen. That God didn't just empower us to be saved, he also empowers us to live saved. He likes to perfect that which concerns us. Amen. He still wants that job. For some reason, religion has preached that if you can get in the door of salvation, then it's all up to you to go ahead and then perfect your salvation. It's all about what you do, what you do, what you do, what you do. But this whole life is about what he did, what he did, what he did. Not even what he's doing as much as what he did. If you'll live about what he did, then it'll empower you to live just like him. If you're always trying to do for yourself, you're going to come to a dead end. Amen. The only part of you that will like the things that you do is your flesh. Because flesh likes to be patted and it likes to be gratified. Someone say amen. 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 That's why, you know, we want somebody to come up and say, hey, you're doing so good. Amen. Like Pastor Mark's getting across the point to you about this is your church. Amen. In one sense, thank God we do appreciate everything that goes on. But at the same time, you ought to be thanking God for this church to be yours. Taking some real pride in it. Amen. And it's interesting how we need our flesh always stroked. But no, we ought not to when you see yourself through Christ. Remember, we're not walking according to the flesh. We're walking according to the Spirit. And the Spirit is based on how Jesus is living right now. You're saying, well, I'm having a bad day. Well, you know the good part about it? If you're saved, you're in Christ, and He's not having a bad day at all. Amen? Because if you could change your bad day, you would have changed your bad day. So no sense bellyaching about your bad day and just go ahead and accept it like a welcome mat and letting it continue to be a bad day. You want to change your bad day, then get yourself identified with Christ. Because he's never had a bad day. He's never going to be sick. Amen. He's never going to be down. He's never going to be poor. Amen. He's above and not beneath. Amen. He's the head and not the tail. He's sitting at the right hand of Almighty God. And so are you. Now, under the old covenant, you see, Paul said, I didn't come to you and just kind of think lightly about this in the flesh. In other words, trying to base my life and my importance off of what I do. Paul talked to us and told us, he said, listen, I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees. That's what I was. In other words, I was top in my class among those who classified their whole life's existence based on how well you live according to the law. Come on, that Pharisee's got to keep the law every single jot, every single tittle. What's a jot and a tittle? That just means you cross the T's and you dot the I's. You can't leave out a comma. You can't leave out an exclamation point. You got to do it exactly as the law says. And they made the law become their savior, but the law was never given to become a savior. The law was given through Moses by God to do what? To show sinful man who had no limitation. Come on, I I can only understand that best by thinking back to when I was over on the Autobahn in Germany. And it was a rainy day. And we were just coming around a curve where we got to these big, huge mountains. And, of course, it was all mountains, big, huge mountains of the, of the, the Alps, you know. And I'm looking off in the distance at the castle that, that Walt Disney came over and copied for the Magic Kingdom. But this was the real deal, see. 
And it's on this big, huge mountain. It was just beautiful. Clouds were settling in because it was rainy and the clouds were all around it. And I'm watching this thing like this and we're just buzzing around this corner. And when I was watching it, looking left, I looked down at the speedometer and we were going 120 miles an hour in the rain. And we were in a minivan. <laughs> I didn't know that the tires were rated to go 120 miles an hour in a minivan. Amen? And while we were going 120, I heard this sound off the distance. And I looked like this to see. And it was a Porsche had to be going 150, 160 miles an hour. Went right by us. And you know what he wasn't doing? He wasn't concerned about the police. He wasn't looking at his fuzz buster. Why? Because there was no speed limit. When there's no speed limit, you don't have to feel guilty about how fast you go. And until the law, man was just going as fast as he could. But he's going in the wrong direction, folks. I said he's going in the wrong direction with no power to help him or save him or give him some sort of understanding or standard. God brings a standard and says, if you want to find me, this is the kind of God I am right here. I am a God that is holy. And man fell apart. That law caused sin to become more sinful. It didn't help man get out of it, but the Pharisees turned it into what? They turned it into their own savior. Paul said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I kept the law on the right hand. I kept the law on the left hand. And yet Paul, when he saw the grace of God, he looked back at all the things he'd been studying all those years that he'd been perfecting himself under the law. And he said, I consider it as done. In other words, I consider it to be the last resource I'll ever look to again. And I'm looking forward to Christ. In other words, Paul said, listen, when I see it as it really is, all the things you can do in the flesh mean nothing to help your salvation. Paul said under the old covenant, we did it yes, yes, and we did it no, no. Now you can understand if you look right here in verse 1 of 28, it says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. (coughs) Does anybody see two yeses there? The first yes is if you do Everything that you do to obey the voice of the Lord your God. That's your first yes. What do you get if you do everything right? You get blessings. Man, God will bless you so much, it will even overtake you. Come on, somebody out there. I said, this is the old covenant. See, if you do everything right, then you get a yes. Once you get that first yes, get ready for your second yes, because that's when the mother load comes in. Amen. You get blessed. Blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed in the field. Amen. And it just goes on and on until you get so happy. And if you'll stay at verse 14, you don't have to get sad. But if you go on to verse 15, all of a sudden things don't look so good, because then it begins to qualify you a little bit more. And it says, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses should come upon you and overtake you. Hey, that's not good. That's called the no-no. What's your first no? That you didn't keep the commandments? How many of them got to keep? All of them. What happens if you, if you keep 9 out of 10? That's the same as missing 10 out of 10. See, God doesn't grade on a, uh, grade on a curve. Huh? You know, everybody's just missing up so bad today, we'll go ahead and make 140. No, God doesn't do that. He doesn't say, you know, because things are so bad right now, if you just get four right, that's like getting them all right. No, if you miss one, that's like missing them all. 
Now, what happens when you miss one or you miss them all? You get a no. What follows up with the, with the first no? Your second no. And that's the one you want to run from. It's called the curses. And they'll not only come on you, they'll overtake you. Come on, we were just shouting for 14 verses. Until we got to verse 15 and found out, whoa, there's some really negative things going on here. I've got to live right in order to receive right. Why? Because it's based on you. I said it's based on you. Come on, let's go over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Go right back. And let's see what Paul says. Because he says here, do I make my plans according to the flesh? Ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time. Verse 18 says, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you was not or has not been yes and no. Paul said the word, this gospel. See, this is why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. See, the real gospel is not just good news, folks. It's too good to be true good news. I mean, if you preach the gospel right, it'll absolutely seem like a fairy tale every time. It'll seem too good to be true. You'll actually be able to live happily ever after. I mean, that stuff that dreams is made of comes right out of the gospel message. This is so good. God had you in mind before the foundation of the world and rigged your success so that you could walk in absolute power and authority and the might and dominion of his covenant. And he did it so well through grace that you couldn't mess it up. Now, see, we didn't, we didn't get excited as enough as we should about that last part. He, he did it so well in grace that you couldn't mess it up. Amen. Still makes me wonder if we're all excited or all here tonight. Amen. And we'll get you out in a few minutes. But I want to say it one more time. God did such a great job in the grace of Jesus Christ that we couldn't mess it up. I mean, God actually planned on not just getting us into heaven, putting our tag called Christian on our back. He actually planned on empowering us with such glory that we would live and walk like as though we were already in heaven. And it would be so hard to mess it up, we'd have to on purpose. Come on, somebody. This is too good to be true. What? The angels couldn't hold it back. That's what I'm telling you. The more you hear about this, you'll understand why you would have been just like them. You heard that one angel spouting off talking about how Jesus was born. Mom, I'm telling you what, it's good news has come to the earth. And all of a sudden you'd say, I can't hold it back. You've got to hold it back. I can't, but I can't hold it back. I need to tell everybody. What, and the next thing you know, it just got infectious. And all those multitudes were, were there but weren't seen. And all of a sudden they just appeared and said, Woo, glory! <laughs> Started shouting. What are you shouting about? Glory to God in the earth. Ha, hallelujah. Why? Because peace has come. Goodwill toward men. Man, this is the love of our Father. To send a son, praise the Lord, born of a woman that could actually die on the cross and take your sin, relieve your debt, praise the Lord, close your account, hallelujah, and set up a kingdom within your heart that would outwardly affect your life. Mm, glory to God. His grace was so perfect. His love so immense that you couldn't mess it up and you could live like Christ while you're in the earth. Come on, we get all excited about getting to heaven. Oh, we sang that song in my Baptist church for years. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be. And thank God it will be. But we ought to have some heaven right now to go to heaven in. Eternal life we've thought for so long is getting to heaven. But the real truth about it, it is a quality of life. Eternal life is God's heaven living in you. 
Come on, listen to the rest of what this says. He said, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim among you, Silvanus, Timothy, and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. Now, see, we we stop right here and have Pentecost. Huh? They were rocking and reeling in the streets of Jerusalem. Why? Because notice what it said. In Christ, it's always yes. Always yes. Do you know what always yes is? That's the blessings. <coughs> it's always the blessings. Well, what about if I mess it up? You can't mess it up. It's not based on you. What? Listen, you didn't cut the covenant. Jesus did. Who did he cut the covenant with? His father. Come on, that's saying the same as what was reminiscent of Abraham. Abraham didn't cut the covenant. He just went and got the animals. God put him into a deep sleep while Jesus and the Father walked to figure eight around those animals, came back and met each other in the blood of the animals and gave a command of what that covenant would mean on behalf of Abraham. Abraham's over there in some deep sleep hearing this wonderful thing. And by the time he wakes up, he says, I'll take one of those. (laughs) But he didn't do anything. I said he didn't do anything. And you know what good that is? It's so awesome because when Abraham messes up, it doesn't mean the covenant's off. For the covenant to be off, God's got to mess up. And God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Can you say amen? Amen. I mean, you think about it. And this is before the law came, where Abraham walked with God under covenant. Abraham messed up a lot. Folks, do you understand? We, we look at Abraham being the father of faith. must have thought he was so pure and holy. I mean, he just did everything so perfect. That's the reason why God could use him. See, that's our mentality. We live in an earth that tells you, do more, work harder, be more faithful, be more diligent. And to a degree, in the earth, you have to be diligent and you have to work hard. But there's a grace. There's an ability from heaven. There's an unconditional love with no strings attached that will work inside your life when you understand how to turn it loose. And that's what we're talking about here tonight that will empower you to live beyond anything you could do with a second, third, and fourth job. Come on, we make our own hands our our, our source. So we work harder, and yet there's somebody that's wanting to work for us. Listen, I'm telling you, when you really understand this, it's cheating. I'm saying that to be honest. It's cheating because we can't mess it up. And when you let God be who God is in you, it just starts to work unconditionally and there's no strings attached. You can't mess it up. That's why the angels couldn't hold. You understand me? The further we get in this, we're going to have to just suddenly. It says right here, and we'll go on. It says, I love this. Amen. It says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Woo! The hope of glory comes because all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. What does that tell you? Someone must have satisfied the demand of of, God. of the law being met for us. And that individual is Jesus. And because of what he did, amen, there is peace between us and God. That's what it means, therefore, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we also access by faith, we stand in this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What's that all about? It just means the moment Jesus comes to live in your heart. 
See, to them that would believe on him, to them he gives power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. The moment that power comes into you, God's grace, God's ability comes into your human heart. At that moment, there's something from heaven, something supernatural that wants to take over in your life, but you're going to have to let it. That's why Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, no longer I that live. See, Paul didn't consider himself to be the one living inside his tent, his body. Who was living inside that body? Jesus. Amen. And when you know there's nothing that stands between you and God, that's when the outflow of heaven through your soul can be experienced, folks. It's all this stuff that we do to try to perfect something that God could only perfect through Christ that messes up everything that God wants to do in and through our lives. Come on over to 2 Corinthians in the 5th verse, 5th chapter. And let's just wind some of this up here as we see it. Thank God there's peace with God here tonight. Amen. Life is not supposed to be lived by your qualifications. Well, I'm trying hard to live this life. That's the problem. And if you don't stop trying, you'll always be trying. Amen. Amen. Come on, in my short time that I've lived, I've watched it in churches too. You go to certain churches and they're trying so hard to get the anointing. And you'll go back four or five years later, they're still trying so hard to get the anointing. And if it's not prayer, now it's joy. If it's not joy, it's something else. It's giving. you got to do, you got to bring something. you got to go three people to church in the next month, and then the anointing will come. See, not everybody brought three people. That's the reason why we don't have the anointing. See, it's always something. It's green door, blue door, red door. See? It's let's make a deal. Pick one of these, and then the anointing will come. Why? Because people are qualifying themselves in God by their own performance. And that's the very thing that will stop the anointing from working in your life is when you're going to try to take all the glory for it. God doesn't need your help. He just needs your agreement. You've got to understand that what he did in Christ was so perfect and so well done. It doesn't need to be redone. Do you understand there's something very interesting about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? In the Old Covenant, there is a piece of furniture that does not exist in the temple and in the tabernacle. In fact, it's the piece of furniture that you're actually using right now to enjoy this sermon, and I trust you're enjoying it. What is that piece of furniture? It would be a chair or a bench. It doesn't exist in the temple. What do you mean? The priests were always standing because they were always giving sacrifice because the blood of bulls and goats could never cleanse the conscience from dead works. It would only atone temporarily for the sin condition, but it couldn't change the heart, and it couldn't cleanse the conscience. That's the one thing that's so different about the blood of Jesus. Thank God the blood of Jesus applied to the eternal seat, that mercy seat in heaven. The moment a man accepts Christ as Savior, his conscience becomes clean from dead works so that he can serve the living God. It's not about our dead works to serve God. It's about his work, praise the Lord, that lets us magnify and get in on everything that he purchased for us. Now, the interesting thing is, in, in, uh, in, in contrasting these two, where in the Old Testament the priests always had to stand, isn't it interesting what Jesus is doing right now? He's doing what? The Father's sitting at the throne, and Jesus is pacing back and forth, hoping that the, what he did was good enough. Praise the Lord. Father, was it good? Was it good enough? Man, they're messing up down there. It doesn't look like it was good enough. No. The Bible says Jesus is sitting right there at the right hand of the Father, and he has raised us up to what? To stand? No, to sit together with him in heavenly places. What does it mean if we're sitting? The reason why he's sitting is because the job's done. The reason why we're sitting is because the job's done for us too. Amen. That means if he's sitting, you don't have to get up, 
Run around and try to prove to him how spiritual you are so that you can get something out of him. Come on, we treat God like frequent flyer mouths. We're trying so hard to add up enough points so we can get ourselves a free ticket. And that's what produces such frustration in the body of Christ. If we're going to live out of works, we'll always be frustrated because you'll get to a point where you feel like you've done everything that you're supposed to do and it's still not working and you end up copping an attitude with God like, what's wrong with God? That's why out of that mentality was birthed this phrase, excuse me if I'm killing a cow right here and you actually happen to be using it. But out of that mentality was birthed, I believe I received my healing, but I'm waiting on the manifestation. In other words, I believe so well in what I know, but we're having problems with the manifester. The Holy Ghost a little slow on the job. So I'm waiting on him. I'm waiting on him. Now, I believe perfect, but I'm waiting on him. And that comes out of our frustration of feeling like we've done everything right because we're trying to add up enough points in the flesh to prove to God that we believe. And this thing ain't based on what you, what you do. It's based on what you believe he did. Do you get the difference? Let that sink in for just a moment. Praise the Lord. While you stare at me, I'll stare at you. All right, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Whew, glory. I needed to hear that right about that time because people were really, really kind of really working hard there. And it says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Come on, reconciliation is very simple. It means we're, we're friends with God again. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I mean, we sing that song, right? But you really know what that means. That means you don't have to work in the flesh to prove anything to God. Somebody worked in the flesh and did a... I was just in Italy. That's what they would do if it was really good. Amen. Praise the Lord. They did such a bang-up job. His name was Jesus. That he fulfilled the law completely. Every jot and every tittle. He completely fulfilled the law and was able to take the law to the cross and nail it to the cross and finalize the law as though it would never become the standard again for man's salvation because it never was meant to in the first place. Then who becomes our standard? Christ is the standard. And because of what he did, you can get in on every blessing that comes through the holiness and the purity of being made one with God. Oh, brother, that's what I'm endeavoring to do. This year, I'm going to live more holy than I've ever lived before. I'm going to live more holy than I ever lived before. And if that's how you're thinking, then you're placing all the responsibility on you living holier than you've ever lived before. If you'll place the responsibility on He is living holy and He'll never be anything but holy, and because He lives in you, thank God you are holy, then His power that allows Him to live holy will work in you you got to get something from this before we leave here tonight. That God didn't save you to leave you alone. Come on, we've had this thing wrong. We've been beating people over the head. I mean, in the world, people go out and sin and enjoy it. Huh? It's the church where we're all mean. Come on, in my Baptist church, we were happier than most Pentecostals ever thought about being. Well, how come? Because we just blamed it all on the sovereignty of God and got over it. 
God wanted me to have this. I mean, I went up to pray just the other day in the hospital. went up to pray for this lady. And I mean, this lady, just a freak accident. She fell down the stairs at church, busted out her whole socket of her eye. They don't know yet if it's even detached or not, the retina. And she's in a coma. Brain swelled up just huge. And I went to pray for, the, pray for her. And uh, the, 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 the father comes out and he says, well, before we pray, just want to make sure you know it is of the providence of God whether or not she's well or not. I said, that's why I'm so excited, because Jesus came as the providence of God to show us exactly what he would do. And if he were here right now, he wouldn't leave her that way, would he? Right. Well, 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 no. I said, good. I'm glad we're in agreement, because if we weren't, I wouldn't pray. Got right in his religious face in a very nice way. Just to let him know, hey, bucko, I mean, this is your daughter's life, for crying out loud. You don't have any more compassion than that to go back to the sovereignty of God, make God be the ogre that killed your daughter? What, did God make her fall down the stairs too? Come on, that's religion, folks. That's how bad religion is. So as bad as that is, you know, it's just as bad for us to sit at home and figure out all the things we got to do to please God. Come on, you know how the human psyche is. Remember, the flesh loves gratification. Most of us would probably have to say yes to this. And, I, you know, I, I would probably have to say there's times where I'll even feel this way, even though I'm trying my best right now to not yield to this kind of stuff anymore. But, you know, if we do a little extra praying and a little extra Bible reading, kind of feel a little good about ourselves, like maybe I could talk to God a little bit longer than I have. Huh? Because we feel, in a sense, like we've kind of earned the right to go. Oh, tomorrow we're going to talk about the fact that sin is not the issue. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And whether you understand it or not, you need to say amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you what, we've made sin become the issue for so long, people think they've got to do something right in order to get to God. But that's exactly what Jesus did. He did everything right to make you right so that you can go to God even when you feel like you're wrong and get his rightful empowerment so that you don't have to live wrong, you can live right. Listen, your right living is not going to come by your willpower. Your willpower will help you for only so long because your willpower is also attached to your emotions, whether you know it or whether you don't. I'm telling you what, in a very few days, people are going to get real serious about life. What do you mean? The first of the year. You better enjoy it for the next week and a half while you've got a week and a half left, baby. Because I'm telling you what, the first of the year, there's diets going to be coming. There's exercise programs that are going to come. And I'm telling you, you better be ready. I'll tell you what, you better be ready. And you get on that diet, I'm telling you what, you're just suffering for Jesus as you think you are, amen. And you're going the best you can for a couple of months, feel like you're doing real good. And all of a sudden, something happens on your job at the same time, something happens in your home, and you get into the mully grubs, amen. You start feeling bad for about two or three hours. The next thing that happens is, forget this, I'm getting the ice cream. <laughs> what? Well, what happened to your, your willpower? It's based on your emotional swings. You see, if you can stay on top of the mountain, it's amazing how many things that we can do right because we feel right. Isn't that interesting? Our feeling of righteousness makes us feel like we can do rightful things. But the moment you get down in a mully grub where you're not feeling so good about yourself, you feel like you can't do anything right. Listen, life is not based on your feelings. It's based on his feelings. Amen. It's based on what he did. That's why if you'll identify yourself with Christ and what he's done, you don't have to go like this anymore. Amen. You can just soar with Jesus because he's always on top. 
I'll tell you what, what changing your feelings will come very quickly when it's God inside that's changing them because you have the audacity in the midst of feeling bad to smile on your face because you know Jesus is having a good day. Come on, let us finish this real quickly here. It says, therefore, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old has passed away. Behold, all has become new. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Come on, I'm not, I don't have to preach real long. You understand what he's saying. Jesus reconciled us, brought us back into fellowship. That's what the angels were talking about. God is not going to be mad anymore at man. What caused God to be at odds with man? It was the sinful condition of a man's heart, not just the things that he did, the very fact that he was a sinner. But because Jesus being born was the only one that could erase the sin, when he did erase it, he reconciled all of mankind to God. What does that mean? That's the reason why God's not in the hurricane. God's not in the avalanche. God's not in the earthquake. We say these are natural disasters of God. Phooey. Well, God's judging America. I'm telling you what, if God judges America, he's going to have to apologize to Jesus because he placed all the judgment on his son. Come on, this thing was legal, folks. Jesus became the scapegoat. He took all of our sin, the past, present, and future sins of your life and the whole world. He wasn't raised up until every human being ever was or ever will be was completely satisfied under his blood that they were pure and holy, not something they could do, but something only he could do. It's when you accept what he's done that you begin to experience the very work of what he's done. Come on, you can try in your flesh all you want to and never get where you need to be. Why? Because it's all about you. The moment you put it all about him, isn't it interesting what begins to happen? Come on, one last statement I'll make before we read the last two verses, and then we'll end tonight. It's very interesting. When you have a life that's based on your work and your performance, and you're always trying to do enough, you're always trying to read enough so you can get enough faith. And if it doesn't seem to work, then you're going to obviously assume you don't have enough faith. So you're going to go ahead and read some more, read some more, read some more, try to get some more faith. And it's always about you, 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 you. Here's what will happen. Not only will you be frustrated, but you'll end up with an amazing relationship with the Word, but you won't know God. When you'll put Jesus first, and everything about your life is based on his finished work. The only thing that you can do all day long, because it's so absolutely amazing that you don't have to try to qualify, he's actually qualified you. The thing that you'll end up doing is all day long, you'll go, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did here. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did here. Lord, I'm not really excited about this, but I know that you are, and you're living in me, so praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you put me over here. And you put me over here, and you've put me over here, and you've made me a conqueror, you've made me a champion, and you've made me healed already. I don't even have to try. Oh, glory, I don't have to try to get healed anymore. I don't have to try to get healed anymore. I just flat am. Amen. I'm so thankful about it. And all you end up doing is thanking him. And you know what you end up with? We can work so hard to make it happen and end up not knowing him, but knowing the scriptures. I'll tell you where that's found. I'll tell you where that's found. I'll tell you where that's found. Isn't it amazing when we're finding these because of our relationship? It carries a whole different meaning, does it not? 21st verse, which is just so wonderful. 
For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God has made you right tonight, folks. You know what that means? That means you're at peace with him. Wigglesworth, old saint, 100 years ago, had an amazing ministry. His favorite song was nothing between, nothing between, nothing between my Lord and my Savior. If there was nothing between you tonight, between you and God, wouldn't the fullness of God flow freely? Is there anything that could stop God's wonderful, amazing power? I mean, people just got around Jesus and got healed. Come on, without even trying. But those that ended up walking by the flesh in his own hometown, they based everything off of what? Off of the flesh. Oh, that we know who he is. He's, he's Mary's son and Joseph's boy. He's been among, who does he think he is? See, it's all flesh, 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 flesh. Governing their life based off of performance. Those people did what? They didn't receive something that was flowing so freely. But to understand tonight, oh, are you saying, Brother Jim, I don't ever have to do anything? I didn't say that. I just said, praise the Lord, if you'll believe the right thing about what he's done, it, it'll, it'll give you the opportunity to do many things. In other words, instead of praying to try to get an anointing, you can go ahead and pray because you want to talk to God. Instead of reading the Bible because you think if you don't read the Bible, then you won't get your healing or you won't get your blessing, and then the job, you won't get it because, you see, we're placing everything off of our performance. You'll get to read the Bible. Why would you want to read it? Because it has things like we've talked about in there that show you how wonderful you are and how wonderful he is and what he's done for you already so that you can begin to experience the supernatural instead of just talk about it like it's something you have but you've never seen. Come on, somebody. We're saying something right here in the last few minutes. Wigglesworth used to sing this song, Nothing Between, Nothing Between. If there was nothing between tonight, wouldn't that power flow unhindered into your bones, into your muscles, and into your joints? Wouldn't it flow into your job and into your home and into your family? It'd just get off on your house, praise the Lord. It'd just get in your finances, praise God. And the favor of God, do you know what the favor of God is so amazing? God's favor without you having to do anything to get it? It's so amazing that if this room right now was nothing more than packed with PhDs and I've never even finished high school and we were all going for the same, <coughs> the same job, do you realize I'd be the one to get it? And I'd get an increase twice as much what they offered you. And you know what you'd be saying? That's not fair. And you know what I'd say? You're right. It's not. Too bad. What do you mean? Yeah, too bad. I'm a favorite in my father's house. I'm united to the firstborn. Yeah, but you, did, you, you didn't do the right thing yesterday. It has no, nothing to do with my position in Christ. You know, this will take all the pressure off you. I've had people in services just like this here tonight as we're closing. Sit there and just get healed one after the other. Come up and say, Brother Jim, while you were talking, and I realized, man, I've been trying so hard to get this healing, and I realized I don't have to do anything for it. The moment I realized that, instantly every symptom just disappeared from my body. I could feel it go. I've had that thing for years. Come on, when you know you're at peace with God. And there's nothing you have to do to try to prove it. Wow. Of his fullness, I have received. Of his fullness, you have received. Come on, him. We're talking about God. We're not talking about the boogeyman. We're not talking about the man on the moon. We're talking about the God of the heavens. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, through his spirit, has come to live in you. The bigness of God. Come on, John could only put it in one way. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
Well, when's the last time we experienced a greater one? No, 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 not just a greater one there to say, you know, it's okay while you go through trouble. I'm here. <laughs> and nothing changes. You just have a form of rabbit's foot to hold on to to give you a little hope or peace. That's as the world gives, see. Peace in the world is just a satisfaction, a soothing of your conscience while you still go through hell. Peace in God is the elimination of hell. It's the elimination of everything that will stand against you once and for all. It's you walking right through a storm, and the storm gives way to you. Mm, I'm talking about something that comes right out of heaven. Glory to God. The angels couldn't hold back. They just all of a sudden said, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Couldn't hold back the announcement that there's a day through this Savior that's coming where God will be at rest and at peace. And as many as receive him to them, he'll give power to become sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Mm, there's a way to live, folks, where all of a sudden, in, inside, there's no more struggle. Do you know it's my firm belief that when a man understands his inward peace, there never will be a sickness, disease, germ, bacteria, or virus that will ever win in his life. Out of the abundance of your heart, praise the Lord, and out of your belly shall rivers flow. Lift up your hands tonight. Father, in the precious and wonderful name, we release your peace and your glory and your joy upon these people. And into their hearts, O oh God, I thank you flows such a wonderful river of your living water. In other words, your wonderful grace, your ability to alleviate the problems of life, to demolish every addiction, to set men free, to give them hope and liberty, to heal their body from the top of their head to their soles of their feet, to help them to walk in victory and never again shall they see defeat. Oh God, we thank you for this wonderful peace that we have with you. Come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We thank you, Lord. This was the heavenly seed. Jesus sent to the earth long, long ago, 2,000 years. He has died and yet been resurrected for man to live in this place of peace. Lord, we hear the message. We accept it well. We understand what it means, hallelujah, that Jesus went to hell. And for our sins... He paid the price, was resurrected on the third day. Hallelujah. The devil has nothing over our lives. But Lord, tonight we walk out of this place knowing that there is a flow of your spirit and an expectancy of the hope of the glory of God. Lord, I decree over the lives of these people healing and health and victory in this new year like they've never experienced before. Lord, we'll get out of the way. We'll let you take, take the horn, Lord God. We'll just be behind you, Father God, running this race with you. It'll be an honor and a privilege not to have to try, but just to experience, to trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. In case there's someone here tonight that's never known Jesus as Lord and Savior, with every head bowed, every eye closed.